This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Hello, friend. Welcome back to me. <laughs> and hello to you. It's good to be here with you. I missed you. Last week, as you may be aware, depending on how much of a diehard fan you are of the True to You podcast, I didn't have an episode scheduled. That's because I was deep in a week-long virtual training a yoga training, actually, that was being held out of Venice Beach in California. So it meant that the time zones were all a bit messed up and I really wanted to make sure that I was very present for that training, especially because it was virtual. It was actually quite an intense experience. The style of yoga that I studied last week is something called Kundalini Yoga and Meditation. And I've been practicing that style for about 18 months now, and it's been hugely transformative for me. You might recall a couple of episodes back, I had a woman on the show by the name of Mary Margaret Scully. She's affiliated with the studio who I did my teaching through. So if you love the insights that I'm about to share in this episode, then I recommend you pop her one on after this. I think her episode is number 60. If you're not familiar with kundalini yoga and meditation, which I don't expect that you are because it's not uh, the most common style of yoga. Most people know vinyasa or hatha yoga. And I think if you're not so familiar with it, this is the best way to describe the practice. They, someone jumped on the chat uh, during one of the lectures and said that kundalini yoga is like flying in a jet. In other types of yoga, it might feel like you are driving a car or riding a bike. Both will get you to the destination. But as you can imagine, flying in the jet is going to get you there faster. And that has certainly been my experience that... A few minutes a day can be a real game changer, especially if you are a busy woman who's trying to juggle multiple things. It's really great to have a practice that you can come to that doesn't take hours out of your day. And I also feel that this practice is hyper relevant for these times, the time that we find ourselves in, which... For all the astrology buffs out there, I know there's a few that listen to this podcast, you might be familiar with this transitionary period that we're going through. We are moving from something called the Piscean Age into what they term the Aquarian Age. Now, the Piscean Age, which was the last 2000 years of history, was dominated by hierarchy and power. And the Aquarian Age interestingly, will be dominated by networks and at the moment, 
social digital networks <laughs> and information. Nothing in the Aquarian age is a secret anymore because everything's online and all information is available to you at the fingertips. Where the Piscean age was organized in a horizontal structure, so very hierarchical, the difference with the Aquarian age is that it's a, sorry, Piscean age was organized vertically, whereas the Aquarian age is organized horizontally. And it's like, it's that network effect, right? And so what that opens up when you have a much flatter structure, and we've seen this, especially in organizations start to be implemented, that you get a, a greater sense of equality. Now, I know this is not true across the board, but if you can zoom it out, that's what you'll start to see. If you look across the world, you'll definitely see this starting to play out, especially this uptake of network, technology, uh, information. This year has been a significant reminder of the time that we are transitioning into. Now, the training that I did was focused on several aspects of the practice of Kundalini Yoga and meditation. We looked at things like self-psychology techniques, so psychology techniques that you can use on yourself to overcome the perils of the subconscious mind. <laughs> Essentially, what I'm saying is that, that we learned tools to be able to understand what's going on in our mind when we have certain thought patterns that tend to be not so serving behaviors, thoughts, actions that we take as a result. We learned about ancient mantras. It's like several hundred year old mantras. We learned about the power of your sound current, which is how you express yourself through sound. Breath, obviously, pranayama, as they call it in yoga, and physical postures known as kriyas. So there's a little rundown, the five minute rundown on kundalini yoga meditation what was really incredible about this week is how often I found myself enamored by the parallels of what I was learning the concepts that were being shared and how you can align these with your career or in particular in my work with my clients small business so that you can move through the changes and the challenges with more grace and ease and we could all use a little grace and ease. <laughs> I'm sure you're nodding your head. Yes, give me more. Give me some of that, please. For this episode, what I've decided to do is share with you five pearls of wisdom for your journey in small business or in your career. Like These can be applied to your career as well. So let's begin. Okay, the first one is about information and inputs. And why I love this technology, they call it a science and technology, is that it, even though much of what was shared in these original teachings was well before we had the sort of digital technology that we have now, it's become very, very relevant. And so this concept of information and inputs, everybody can relate to right now. Anyone that uses a computer, has a smartphone, will know that information and inputs is at our fingertips. I said it earlier. 
And one thing that was said around this is that it's not about the people who have more information. It's about the people who can take the information they get, sort it, and deliver it in a way that serves others. And this is probably one of the most practical bits of advice for any new business owner. I'm going to say that again so that you get it. It's not about the people who have more information. It's about the people who can take the information they get, sort it, and deliver it in a way that serves others. Anybody, anybody, even a small child, your grandma, your grandfather, has the ability to search the answer to anything on the internet these days. We have the capacity to learn something at the click of a button. So that is not really a skill, right? Information gathering, information searching is not a skill anymore. We no longer have to wait till old Jenny returns that overdue library book <laughs> to finish our school project. That's that's That was the bane of my life, <laughs> was waiting for that one uh, girl at high school to return the overdue library book because everybody was trying to finish that school assignment. And for the millennials out there who can't uh, sympathize with me, <laughs> just picture what that would be like. So... When it comes to our small business, the first thing I want to say here around this topic of information and inputs is that you can no longer have the excuse, I don't know the answer, right? The ability to search information is easy. It's a skill that anybody has, really. And if you find yourself saying, I don't know the answer, I don't know what to do next, when you're stuck or feel like you've hit a roadblock, the fact that we have the internet, that really can't be your main excuse anymore. More than likely, someone out there has the answer in Google land and it's more than likely being demonstrated how to set up your Squarespace website on YouTube a thousand million times or there's a digital course on how to set out your social media strategy more than once now, there's, there's hundreds of versions of the same thing. If not, if you cannot find how to do that one thing that you want to do, then maybe that's your cue to create it. It's just a little side note there. So back to my point, as Marie Folio would say, everything is figure outable and everything is figure outable at your fingertips. Given this abundance of information, we also don't need to convince ourselves that we need more information first. That's, that's often a peril of starting a small business is that we get trapped in this early stage of planning and gathering information and needing more and more information, more education and things like that. And you will remember I spoke about some of these things a few episodes back. So if you think you still need more information or you feel like you need to be the source or the knowledge bearer, remember that in these times, that doesn't make you better. It doesn't necessarily make you more worthy or more expensive because you have extra knowledge. That is not always true, I know, but I just want you to think of that as a concept right now. What's more important for us is that we practice something called discernment. We are able to take the information that we find, 
We are able to take the things that we learn, sort them, and choose the information that we really need that's going to solve our problem or that's going to allow us to teach something or share something to our clients and our customers in a really specific manner. People are looking for specific, I can't say this word, they want it to be specific to them (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. So less is more. You don't need to teach people everything that you learn. You don't need to teach every single minute detail. How often do you find yourself scrolling endlessly or finding yourself in a rabbit hole online only to feel overwhelmed? And I'm going to add this little extra bit in here from from one of our teachers last week. More information does not tell my mind where to go. More information does not tell my mind where to go. You need to tune into the information. You need to tune into the thoughts that will actually direct the next right action. And as, as above, as I said with the first statement around information and inputs, it's not about the people who have more information. It's about the people who can take the information they get, sort it and deliver it in a way that serves others. Remember, you can do the majority of your learning by doing. I want you to spend less time in front of your computer, unless you are creating something, but less time gathering information in these early stages of your business or when you're trying to create something new, a new revenue stream and get into the doing as quick as possible. Create projects for yourself, create opportunities for you to get in front of your potential clients or customers. Have a conversation with someone. You will learn more by being in the doing because you will get feedback and feedback is essential for us to know what the next action is after that. So that is your first one, inputs and information. The second thing is around legacy. And what my teacher said was, what is your creative input to this extraordinary moment in history? Can you make a contribution to the collective? When you look back on your life, it's not about what happened to you, but what you did with your time. Now, I find the subject of legacy, maybe it's something to do with my age, (laughs) I don't know, but I find the subject of legacy sometimes very overwhelming. And to be honest, until last week and until hearing this, I didn't place or haven't placed much thought on it, much emphasis on this concept of leaving a legacy. Perhaps if I was moving into motherhood that I know sometimes triggers this thought for a lot of women that I speak to. But for me, I was like, what impact can I create today? Can I create tomorrow? I wasn't really thinking of 10, 20, 30, 50 years down the track right now. I've probably indirectly thought a lot about legacy this year, though. Interestingly, I think this this year and what's happened in 2020 has made me think about the fact that everything's changing before our eyes and there's this quote new normal, I found myself often stopping and thinking, okay, 
I'm getting a little bit wrapped up in the fear of the situation. I'm getting a little bit wrapped up in the uncertainty and all of those feelings. And I would stop and I would ask myself, what story would I want to tell about 2020? If I wasn't overrun by this fear and this overwhelm, what would the, what would the contrasting story look like? Or do I want to indulge this fear and overwhelm or tell a different story is another way of looking at it, right? And that's, that's essentially linked to legacy. And I think where she was going with, the, with this conversation is that we too often fall into this trap of externalizing our success or externalizing this idea of legacy, what's going right, what's going wrong. We make it about ourselves, we, what we have, what we don't have. Yeah, it comes down to what's happened to me, what, what success have I created? Whereas when you look at what you did with your time, it comes back to that concept of connection and collaboration and exactly what she said, what's your creative input to this extraordinary moment in history? Can you make a contribution to the collective? So that at that point, when you switch your thinking to that, it's no longer about you and what you have or don't have or what happened to you, but what you created with your time on earth. Really existential conversation, I know. You're probably not expecting for me to go that deep on this podcast, but I think it's really interesting to ask yourself, even if you looked at this on a yearly basis, what story would I like to tell? If my grandchildren were sitting here with me and it was 2000 and hmm, I don't know, 50, <laughs> what story would you tell your grandchildren? It's a really interesting question to ask yourself. Okay, in small business, I think on this idea of uh, creative input in these moments and contribution to the collective, small business is a really opportune place to do this. We have a close proximity to our local community and to the local economy and the opportunity to contribute significantly to this moment within our local environment. And we can use our creativity to connect authentically, hopefully human to human in real life, IRL, right? Whether it be that handwritten note that you put in your online order for someone or a one-on-one -on -one coaching conversation that literally changes the trajectory of someone's life, that they then go out and affect the lives of other people around them. Or maybe it's that hand drawing that you made for someone of their pet, you know, Think about that. Think about that direct connection that you have that you means you can have a creative impact on this time. These creative acts that you do on a daily basis are part of your legacy. They're no longer about what happened to you, but about what you created with your time. I love that one. I think that is really, really important. It's, it's a really great 
reality check, that conversation. The third one is around sense of urgency. I've put these in no particular order, by the way, but for some reason <laughs> they seem to be jumping a little bit uh, around and, and touching on some big topics today. Wow, this is cool. So sense of urgency, and this it comes from the Kundalini Sutras, so kind of similar to the, the Yoga Sutras, this is their version of the Sutras. When the time is on, you start, and the pressure will be off. So this is one of, one of uh, five I think they had. When the time is on, you start, and the pressure will be off. Okay, sometimes you need a little mantra like that to, to kick you into gear. So if you need to pause this and write this one down, I definitely recommend that you do that. This has stuck with me all week since I heard this. And essentially what I interpret this one to mean is that when you feel like time is running out, when you feel like the pressure is on you, just start somewhere. Action is better than no action at all. <laughs> For me, this pressure feeling usually comes when I'm at the start of a project and I'm totally overwhelmed by the scale of it. And when you're right at the beginning of something, you don't necessarily know what all the steps are and what the end product is exactly going to be. And to avoid myself ruminating and indulging and in all of that overwhelm for too long, one of the quickest ways for me to get me out of that is I sit down and I go, okay, what are the first five to 10 things that I could do on this project that I know will move it forward? Action steps, right? And like I said, there might be some research in there, but that should be one or two of the things out of the five to 10 and I look at point number one that I've written down and I start there and I work my way through my list. It's okay if you don't have the grand plan worked out or know every single minute step that you need to take. All you need to do is take one action and usually you'll find out the next right thing to do anyway. Remember, when the time is on you, start and the pressure will be off. Okay, number four, success is in relationship. Relationships built and sustained are about trust, dignity, and your sphere of influence. This is a big one for me because what I've learned over the last few years is that business is almost 100% about relationships. Every aspect from your clients and customers to your contractors and suppliers, there is a relationship at the core of that, at the heart of that, okay? And what's interesting is in this digital era, it's really easy to become complacent about relationship building. It's really easy to become complacent in a way that it's not necessarily a priority or it's not seen as valuable. And my belief is if you want to sell anything, and really if you're in business, you're selling something, right? Then you need to start cultivating relationships. 
And while we're here, let's talk about social media, shall we? Because I think this is very much a big part of this conversation around relationship building. When you look at your social media, which for a lot of us is a a core component of our marketing strategy, when we're selling something, for most of us, the first place that we go to is social media to build an audience, to share our ideas, to share our products and our services. What if you didn't think about your social media accounts as having followers or as having likes and instead you thought of them as your kin, your family, your community? Even when you're not directly building a business around this community idea, because I know a lot of you won't necessarily feel like you need to create community, but consider that there is a person behind that engagement behind that engagement with your content. And if you want to start to look at it as building kin, building family, building community, engage with them back. (laughs) It's pretty simple. It's pretty obvious. But I think that we're getting really complacent about this stuff. Gary Vee has this great strategy. It's quite a detailed strategy. It sounds simple on the outside, but if you want to look it up, go and have a look at it. It's called the $1.80 strategy. And essentially he thinks of it as little two cent pieces of engagement. He uses hashtags and things like that. But another way of thinking about that could be when you think of your two cents and giving your two cents, reverse the ratio of how often you are scrolling, scrolling versus how often you engage with people. If you spend five minutes on social media, is it just five minutes of passing time and scrolling and maybe the odd double tap? Or are you genuinely commenting and sharing and connecting with people? As soon as you start to flip that into community building, into relating to your kin, to your customers, everything will change for you. You might have heard the click of the fingers then, but it's it's like magic. Everything changes, okay? Now, the final thing that I got was something that wasn't directly said across the week. We had seven days of teaching and seven days of lectures and practice across this week. It was unbelievable and around nine hours a day. So seven, nines, uh... 56, 56 hours, is that right? (laughs) Someone can correct me on my maths. What I wanted to say here to this fifth point is that there is real value in this millennial culture that we might find ourselves in, in teaching. Because teaching is about longevity, about tenure, but creating longevity of your message and how you present it. So this is a good one for the millennials that listen to this podcast, but I feel like this is just like point number four. This is important for anyone that through their business is teaching, coaching, or delivering information of some sort in their work. All four of the teachers who taught during the seven-day training that I took have been teaching for at least 15 and some up to 40 years. Wow, crazy. 
Essentially, what I'm saying here is that not you need to sit up on a stage and teach for, for the next 40 years. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to do that. What I'm saying is that you should be taking opportunities to present in front of a group, facilitate a workshop, teach something simple over Zoom, or it could even be something as simple as challenging yourself to get on Instagram stories and sharing an insight every week. Because, and this is why this is important, is that it's very easy for us to be consumers. Just like I said, it's easy for us to avoid the practice of building relationships and be consuming other people's content. But now we are about knee deep in this digital era, which means that we need to work on how we come across digitally. Recently, I thought I'm going to have a look at some old YouTube videos that I made. These videos are only from a couple of years ago. And to be honest, they're not awesome. They're not great. Like I was definitely a newbie when it comes to teaching over video. However, what I would say is three years later, speaking on camera, even recording podcasts like this is far less challenging for me. And that is the beauty of practicing and of teaching something every week. So I'm going to leave that as my closing note and a challenge for you. I'd love to challenge you to to point number four and number five around building relationships and number five around teaching, getting up and teaching, being on a Zoom call and teaching, teaching a workshop, whatever that looks like for you. If you are delivering a service as part of your business, it is uber, uber important. It will It will enhance your relationships, it will enhance your confidence, and it will enhance how confidently you speak about your product or your service. Okay, if this episode resonates with you, please make sure that you subscribe or leave a review or share it with someone in your life because there's some absolute gold in this for anyone that is in small business. Alrighty, my friends, next week we will be back to interview format. I'm very excited. I've got a couple of amazing guests coming up and I hope that you take something out of this one and slowly but surely implement it into your life. It will honestly change your life. Have an amazing week and bye for now.